Welcome back, everyone. This is Bookaholics Anonymous, hosted by Chase Rudisso. Today, we'll be discussing a powerful, innovative, and visionary text, Enlightenment Now by Steven Pinker. For time purposes, I'm going to keep the overview and summary part of our analysis short today. There's a lot we could go over with this book, but not quite enough time to cover it all. Trust me. It's kind of insane. All right, let's start off with Pinker's overall thesis. Science and humanism are the key components of enlightenment and have historically led to immense progress in human society. He also states they are our best means of continuing progress into the future. However, and this is where his purpose comes into play, science and humanism are under attack for, from counter-enlightenment ideas and there is a dire need to protect them. Next, let's just gloss over some of Pinker's counter-enlightenment ideas and supporting details. Counter-enlightenment ideas first. We'll start off with religious faith, such as Christianity, Catholicism, and Islam. Next is collectivism, the idea that we are all individual, minuscule parts of a larger system. And Declanism, the idea that our society is steadily declining and on the verge of collapse. Finally, the anti-science movement, which is arguably one of the biggest counter-enlightenment elements of our society today. Now, for some of his supporting details. He has many, many more than we have time to cover today, but I'll hit my favorites quick before we have to move on. So here we go. Life expectancy is up from the global average of 30 years to 70 years in a matter of a century. The threat of infectious disease has been severely reduced due to more effective sanitation techniques, vaccinations, antibiotics, and other medical advances. Throughout most of history, the world hunger and famine were a normal part of life. But now, on average, people have access to 2,500 calories or more daily. The gross world product was stagnant or barely growing for most of history. However, since the 18th century enlightenment, it has grown almost 200 times what it used to be. Over the course of history, there have been many great advances in quality of life, such as reduced work hours, reduced housework, lowered spending, and increased income on a global scale. Now, let's move on to some contextual analysis. All right, so the context. When, where, and how is this novel situated? Well, it isn't a very hypothetical question in the grand scheme of things because we are living in the context of this novel, a polarized, confused, and counter-enlightened society. Our world, and thus the context of the book, is one where science and humanism are under attack, just like in Pinker's thesis. And if you personally are interested how we can change that, or how you can change it, go ahead and read the book more in depth. Now, let's dive into some of Pinker's appeals and persuasive techniques. They are very hard to find. The book is polluted with them. But 
For the sakes of this podcast, we're mostly talking about logos and pathos. There is a lot of data, statistics, facts, and information crammed into this novel. So much so, it's hard to differ with any of Pinker's points while reading. However, pathos is also deployed throughout his novel, but much less than his data, which is almost as fundamental to the nature of this book as his thesis. I'm compelled to share some examples of Pinker's use of logos because of just how essential it is to the book. So I'm going to direct my temporary analysis to the graphs used on pages 208 and 209. These particular examples come from Pinker's democracy section, just as a heads up. All right, on page 208, we see a graph labeled with human rights protected on the y-axis and years starting with 1945 and ending with 2015 on the x-axis. Within the graph, there are several trends drawn. Norway, world, South Korea, China, and North Korea. These trends are depicted in that order from top where more rights are protected, to the bottom, where less rights are protected. This shows us that Norway protects the most human rights, North Korea protects the least, and the world is somewhere in between. Following that, on page 209, another similar but different graph is depicted with the numbers of countries that have abolished capital punishment labeled on the y-axis, and dates ranging from 1860 to 2020, labeled on the x-axis. There is only one trend drawn in the graph, and it's in resemblance of an exponential function that gets drastically steeper towards the 2020 end of the graph. This means more and more countries are getting rid of capital punishment, like the death penalty, as years progress towards the present. Okay, I also want to quickly cover the audience author relationship formed throughout this book because I find it really interesting and really intriguing. Pinker's relationship that he forms with his audience is unlike anything I've seen with any of the other books I've read. Pinker takes an almost mentor-like tone throughout the book. Like The way he writes the book makes it seem like Pinker is working to educate us and help us to understand the need for enlightenment values. However, he doesn't do it in a way that frames him as being superior or woke or above any of us for his ideas and opinions about enlightenment. I find this technique and writing style very intriguing and very inspiring. It shows us that you can educate people without asserting dominance and bring about change while keeping everyone equal and everyone happy. Now, please keep in consideration. These are my observations and my analyses, but feel free to add in your opinions in the comment section. Coming up, some personal connections and outside thinking about the text. Alright, so an important thing to think about anytime you're reading any book is what does this text remind you of, and what are some connections you can make based on it? The first thing Enlightenment Now reminded me of while I was reading was a dissertation or a PhD thesis, a very formal, scholarly, academic paper. Pinker uses a lot of deep diction and unique syntax, but also a fairly standard and common lines of reasoning and structure. So. 
It creates it a deep text, but not a hard to understand and follow text. I find it interesting that this book can be written almost like a PhD thesis, something that most of us would think is extremely boring and as far from interesting as possible, but still be a great novel that held my interest the whole way through. Now for some outside thoughts. I want to acknowledge that this book really changed the way I experienced the world around me. Pinker's writing had a very unique and very powerful impact on my perspective of the grim realities that we as a species face, short-term and long-term, like human right crises, environmental crises, and animal right crises, but also some of the ways that Pinker's overall thesis plays into my daily life. Ever since I started the book, I have found myself wondering, am I enlightened? Is this action I am doing right now promoting science and humanism? And am I living a better life by following a more enlightened path on a daily basis? Be sure that when you read this book, let me know what your thoughts are on this, and also if you have some of the effects that the book had on your life as well. Along with my internal thoughts, I also find myself observing and considering others and their actions. Is what that person is doing promoting enlightenment? Is what that person is saying promoting enlightenment? Or are they going against it? I really notice this when I'm watching or hearing about politics or politicians speaking. Next up, criticism and deep thinking. I'll start with my criticisms for this book, because there isn't much. The only thing that I personally would have liked to have seen more of throughout the book is a depiction of what a progressed, enlightened, and better-off world would have looked like. Or, I guess in this sense, what Pinker would have thought it would have looked like. Now, I know what you're going to say, but Chase, the entire last chapter is devoted to the future. And you're right, Pinker did address the future at the very end of the book. But what I would have liked to see, and what I think would have been a really good literary and writing technique, would be a development of that future throughout the book, with every section and every element covered, sort of as if Pinker was building a better world as he went through his argument. Pinker did a really great job with his structure, and splitting up his argument into separate sections, elements, and aspects. And I think that opened up a really great door and a really great opportunity to build a better future and a better world throughout his book. But just personal preference. And so it's just a personal criticism. And overall, the book was amazing. So I'll leave it there. As for today's deep thinking, when it comes to this book, there was a lot. There really was a lot. I found myself pondering many of the things and many of the issues that Pinker brought up throughout his book, particularly his question of why should I live at the beginning? I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here quick, but that question I believe was a really great anecdote, was a really great addition to the story, and really helped develop his inquisitive nature and the relationship with the audience because he got his audience intrigued but also questioning from the start of his book.
again, just a personal observation. Um, also, at um, the democracy section really hit me hard as well, especially because um, I just came out of my AP Gov class last semester. So I found myself really look as I'm observing the different countries that he brought in and a lot of the political events and political structures that he analyzed and went over throughout the book. I it was really easy for me to connect back to what I learned in that class and fully understand the implications and the broader context of that argument. Um, however, I'm going to go, I'm not going to go into detail about my personal deep thinking and my personal realizations, because I want to save that for you when y'all get a chance to read it. It's a great book. There are a lot of great realizations to come from it, but I want them to be your personal realizations and you personally growing and learning. I don't want my, my thoughts and my feelings to taint yours. All right. After the pause, our last analysis, what Pinker did best, and my personal appreciations for the text. I'm going to spend the rest of our short time talking about the diction the author uses in this book, because it is truly incredible. Not only am I impressed, but also appreciative of the word choice and the deep diction that Pinker chose to use in this book. The reason this is personally influential on me is because every time I write, I'm always looking for better ways to use rare, old, and not so common words that we don't see on a regular basis because it's essential to expand our knowledge of the English language. But anyways, if you haven't already read the book, I'll cue you in on some of the things I've come across. We have words like atavastic, malign, macabre abetted, cornucopia, charisma, anthropomorphic, repudiate, dubious, pantheist, portent, and fallibilism. Sorry, that one's hard for me. And that's only a small portion of the words used in the entire book. To be more specific, that's from the middle section. Only a couple of pages worth of a list. Kind of crazy. Lastly, my personal appreciations. I loved Pinker's diction and use of data. I know it seems like it's a lot of what I focused on today's podcast, but it was just so captivating and so inspiring. I have not read another book that was this detailed, this well-worded, or this well-supported by data and facts. So, quick thank you and shout out to Steven Pinker for this amazing and inspiring text. Alright guys, that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed and got a lot out of our analysis today. If you haven't already, go get your copy of Enlightenment Now on Amazon or any local library or bookstore near you. We also have two sponsors for today's podcast. For 15% off your copy of Enlightenment Now at any, B any BAM near you, provide the promo code LEARNENOW. That's L-E-A-R-N-E-N-O-W. 
Our other sponsor is Jandis Studies from YouTube. Jandis's channel is filled with amazing videos on study techniques, Apple tutorials, and tips and tricks videos for students. Go check it out. And as always, read on my friends. See you next time for another Bookaholics Anonymous episode.